Hello, and thanks for tuning in to the 10th and Broad Church of Christ podcast. Today's episode is presented by Jeremy Aaron, the campus minister at the Mustangs for Christ Student Center at Midwestern State University. Let's tune in now for Jeremy's message. It's my privilege to get to speak to you today. I'm very, very thankful to get to continue our series on how God grows your faith. If you remember last week, uh, Shane started us off. We're looking at five things God uses to grow our faith. And just to kind of remind you of of where we've been and where we're going. um, Last week, Shane talked about providential relationships. Today, I'm going to be speaking on the idea of personal ministry and kind of defining what that looks like and talking about how that can bless our faith and grow our faith. Then we'll look at things like practical teaching, private disciplines, and then we will talk about pivotal circumstances, certain points or seasons in life that seem to grow our faith in uh, significant ways. As I was thinking about all five of these, these aren't, this isn't an exhaustive list, but we identified these five things as important steps. If you were to ask somebody, how do I grow my faith? How do I, uh, what are things that I can practice or things I can point to that are important ingredients to grow our faith? I think these are some of the best. Um, also, these five things, um, they stretch us and they allow us to grow our faith. If you think about your faith like a muscle that you would stretch and work out, these are the things that if you are participating in them and focusing on them and being intentional with them, these are things that can really help build up your faith. I want to talk as we begin this morning about a mindset that maybe you've experienced, maybe you've experienced in the past, or maybe you feel like you're currently there, but it's this idea of feeling stagnant in your faith. I know I've experienced that before, and so I hope you can relate to what I'm about to share with you, but this is just some, some things I've experienced that hopefully can um, connect with you this morning. But if you've ever felt stagnant in your faith, or maybe you've even felt like, you know, I just feel like I've been going through the motions for a while, that I, I want to have faith in God, and I want to grow my faith, but I kind of feel maybe like at a loss of where exactly uh, to turn, um, then the question I have for you this morning is this, who are you serving who are you helping? What ministry are you involved in? What, um, what personal need are you meeting? Because it's interesting, Jesus always kind of dealt with opposites, or we'll, we'll call it countercultural. To bless God and to bless yourself, you bless others. Remember what Jesus said, love God and love others? I remember the song from BBS, J-O-Y, Jesus first, yourself last. It's terrible spelling, but it sticks in your head. Jesus first, yourself last, and others in between, if you've heard that one. There's a reason that Jesus spoke so much about blessing others, because the secret to growing your faith, which has to do with all five things we mentioned, the secret to growing your faith is to take the focus off of, I want to grow my faith, I want to do this. When you pour into other people, automatically God allows um, an extra benefit, I guess you could say, to be that your faith will grow. It kind of reminds me of, remember when Jesus is talking to the rich young ruler and he comes to him and he's been a good guy. He's been in church all his life. Uh, He had a checklist and he says, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? Basically kind of like, will you check over my homework and make sure it's okay? He kind of wanted Jesus to check it out. Remember what Jesus said? He was, he was pleased with him, but he knew exactly where the man was lacking. And he said, you know what? You need to sell all of your stuff and give to the poor. That was his specific thing. But I think at the heart of what Jesus was telling him is, you know, you've been focused on your checklist. You need to help other people. Go serve other people. And then that checklist will grow in a way that you never experienced. And so maybe you can relate to me today in sometimes I felt stagnant or sometimes I felt like I've just been going through the motions and I want my faith to grow. It's in those times that I need God to remind me, who am I helping? 
Who am I serving? Because when the focus is taken off of me, God can do some pretty uh, incredible things. Well, today we want to talk about the second thing on our list, this idea of personal ministry. Um, Personal ministry has to do with, uh, basically, I would just say the ways in which we bring glory to God by serving others. Uh, I work in simple definitions, and so I figured if I could explain it and I could understand it, hopefully I could communicate it this morning. Just an easy definition for this idea of personal ministry. It's the ways in which we bring glory to God by serving others. I was trying to think of some examples, and there was just too many to list, and so I put a few down here. But examples of the ways that I know that this church uh, is involved in personal ministry. There's so many, so many of you have done ministry that I know of. So many of you have done ministry that I find out later on, like, oh, I had no idea that they've been doing that for so many years. And so I think about um, so many of you have been involved with mission work or have been on mission trips, and that's one idea of personal ministry. Um, so many of you, like we need teachers, whether you've taught preschool, whether you've taught adult classes, you know from being a teacher how much you pour into that and how that, by pouring into others, how that blesses your faith as well. So teaching is a big one. Maybe you've uh, been a part of a small group and you understand how important of a personal ministry it is to be connected to a small uh, family unit like that. Or maybe you've led a small group or led a discipleship group. Maybe even this year you've tried a one-on-one Bible study for the first time. And so that is a huge way uh, we pour out our personal ministry and grow our faith. I also think of things that bless this community, and I think that's just as important as a mission trip overseas, doing things that bless our community here. I'm thinking about those of you who have poured a lot of time into things like the Sunshine House, or have helped Jimmy and Danny with our father's kitchen, or Mary and Harlow with the blessing bags and things like that. There's so many different ideas of personal ministry, but I want want us to just not get lost in the details and just think about this idea that it's the ways in which we bring glory to God by serving other people. You know, one of the ways that God uses to grow our faith is what I would call these ministry experiences. And for many people, as they think about a time in their life, as they were to tell their faith story, and they were going to think about a time in their life when their faith took a significant jump or when their faith really grew, what season of life they might point to, well, that's when I started helping at the Sunshine House. So that's when I became involved with Faith Refuge. Or that's when so some of those things have pivotal. They're kind of like the catalyst that catapults us into this idea of, of allowing our faith to grow and be stretched. And oftentimes people point back to those important moments. And if you've ever felt this tug of war, I, mean, I guess you could call it a tension with God. Anytime you have tug of war and you're playing against God, you're going to lose. I'll just throw that out there. But if you've ever felt this tug of war where I feel like God's put something on my heart, whether it's a person to serve or a ministry, but I always pull back and I say, you know what, but I am. And then I add in these uns. I'm unqualified or I'm un equipped or I'm untrained or I'm unskilled. And so if you've ever kind of felt that tug of war match or that tension, um, you're not alone, but I think it's important. And I hope you really focus in this morning because I think we're going to share some things that maybe can help um, get rid of some of that self-doubt and maybe kind of help uh, quiet that voice of, yeah, but I can't do that or whatever you might fill in in your own head. A lot of times our fears and our doubts seem to drown out what I would call a spiritual pull. Maybe that sounds better than tug of war, a spiritual pull from God. Sometimes that spiritual pull um, can get quieted by my own self-doubt and the things that I tell myself. And maybe you said to yourself before, like I said, I, I don't feel equipped or prepared to take on this role. Sometimes the tension of wanting to serve God maybe is overridden by a feeling of powerlessness. Like, I don't even know what step to take. How would I ever accomplish something like that? As I think about this idea of personal ministry and serving God, there's really kind of 
two ways to look at it. And I guess you could talk about it kind of like uh, the cuff is half full or half empty, kind of pessimistic, optimistic. First, the, the negative view, which maybe we tell ourselves a lot. We may talk to ourselves kind of like this. We may say, you know, there's this issue of being worried about being unqualified or unequipped to serve. Uh, but also, if I, if I really look deeper than that in my heart, you know, maybe God's going to use someone or something outside of my comfort zone. And it may take me being uncomfortable. And you know what? I... I don't like being uncomfortable. So, yeah, I want to grow my faith, but not bad enough to try something different or to try something new. I'm stepping on my own toes here to try something different or new and say, you know what? Um, I want to grow my faith, but I don't really want to step outside of, of what I can expect or what I know. And so that's kind of the negative approach. The glass half full, the positive lens you can look through it would be something like this. You know, not only does serving others and being a part of a ministry benefit and bless others, I know that's true. But it also can be an answer to my prayer for God to stretch and grow my faith. When I come to that realization, like we said before, and when I kind of internalize the idea that the best way I can grow my faith is by pouring into other people, that opens up all kinds of possibilities and helps to take those small steps of faith that can lead to a bigger step. Another way, another definition, I guess you could define personal ministry is simply this idea, doing your part and letting God do the rest. Again, simple definition, but that's where I operate. And what I say, what I mean by that, I don't mean like, well, that's the least I can do. Um, I'll just throw in something and I know God will take care of it. Um, sometimes you hear people say the phrase, let go and let God. And I think I know what they mean by that, but sometimes their actions tell me that they just, well, I'm not going to do anything. Like, it's all up to him. Well, that's not exactly true. God wants you to pour into it. He wants you to remember the part, do your best. Uh, do your best and let God do the rest. Maybe that's a better rhyme for it. You see, when we bring what we have, even though it's insignificant, even though it may not seem like much to us, if I truly give my all to serving God, he can take my best effort, which is nothing compared to what he can do. He can take my best effort and turn it into something amazing, doing your part and letting God do the rest. As long as uh, my part doesn't uh, involve me being out of my comfort zone. And here's the self-talk again that we kind of, that, that I, I'm just, I'm sharing some inner dialogue with you and I hope that that resonates with you this morning. Maybe you've kind of said this to yourself. You know, as long as my part um, falls in my comfort zone or maybe as long as it, make sure it's in my skill set. As long as I feel like I have all the answers figured out, then I will, then I will step into something like that. Um, the reality is if we only operate in the comfortable, there's really no need for God to show up. If I only do what's safe and only do what I know for sure can get the results I need, then what am I inviting God into? There's no room for God to do the rest if I'm only operating in just this safety, this safety bubble. God is inviting you to join him. He is inviting you outside of your comfort zone, outside of maybe your skill set, maybe outside of your experience, maybe even outside. Like one of those things that God is inviting you to join him. But too often I, I, I have that tug of war that's pulling me back. That's that's keeping me from maybe taking a step that I need to take. You know, it's interesting. Uh, the disciples found out firsthand on several occasions what that was like. If you'll uh, turn with me to Matthew 14, if you've got your Bibles this morning, it'll be on the screen. The disciples um, oftentimes, we, I'm only going to share a couple of things today, but the disciples oftentimes realized how often uh, they found themselves only doing their part and Jesus taking their mediocre effort and turning it into something amazing. Matthew 14, we're going to begin in verse 13. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. 
When Jesus landed and saw a crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place. It's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the village and buy themselves some food. In verse 16, Jesus replied, They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. Little sound effect for us there. (laughs) Jesus looks at them and he says, You give them something to eat. Jesus, Jesus, I know of a need. Jesus, I've really thought about this. I've talked with the other guys. I know of a need. There's a bunch of people here. And so I hate to come to you with a problem without a solution. We've all talked about it. We voted. Judas was against us, but that's okay. Uh, We voted and we decided the best thing to do is send them away to the villages because it's impossible. Jesus, uh, let's send them away. And Jesus says, no, no, no. You give them something to eat. Well, Jesus, we are, we, we, we decided on that, but we thought that wasn't the really, that wasn't the most popular choice. And so Jesus looks at them and says, you give them something to eat. Do you feel the tension in that? Because they've experienced a lot of stuff with Jesus, but they had never experienced a, a buffet like this before. They had been at a wedding feast, which was pretty amazing, but they had never been in a, a hillside feast with thousands and thousands of people. And so even in their wildest dreams, they didn't picture what was about to happen. Jesus says, you give them something to eat. And I hope that you can feel kind of the tension uh, in that statement. Maybe again, this idea illustrates for us some of our own hesitation to serve. Maybe it kind of uh, brings to mind, you know, maybe we've even experienced something like this in our own prayer life. Maybe you can relate to these words. Maybe you've brought a specific need to Jesus. Maybe a certain group of people or maybe even a specific situation has been on their heart and you've been praying, you've been asking God to provide God this this need. I, I'm all in on this need. God, I want you to take care of this need. Please provide a way for this need to be met. And maybe God is saying to you, even this morning, maybe God is saying, you help them. I want you to meet their needs. God, God, you don't understand. You see, that's not really my gift. Maybe you didn't understand my prayer correctly. I'll I'll, I'll pray that again, maybe the next night. God, you didn't really understand what I was saying. I don't see myself as the person that meets the need. See, my my gift or my my ability is I I pray for the people that will go meet those needs. I'm, I'm a prayer warrior. And I don't make fun of that term, but I think oftentimes... Maybe even my, my own life. Oftentimes, maybe I've hid behind this idea of, well, I'm just the guy that prays. I'm just the person that prays. And that's important. And I'm not putting down prayer at all. But is that really doing my best if just saying a prayer about it and not seeing and not asking myself the question? Maybe God's telling me, like, I want you to feed them. I want you to go do it. I want you to help them. I want you to meet their needs. You know, sometimes with the idea of evangelism, sometimes we tell ourselves different lies that aren't true. Sometimes with evangelism, sometimes we tell ourselves this idea that the best person to reach my friends for Christ is always someone besides me. Have you ever said that to yourself? I have before. If you think about reaching someone for Christ, and especially if God, if you had an outside perspective, God has gift wrapped the situation. Someone is hungry. Someone is needy. They want to know about Jesus. But oftentimes this inner dialogue that tug of war says to myself you know the best person to reach my friend for christ it's always someone besides me you know the same thing can be true for this idea of personal uh, ministry this idea of serving someone maybe i have a need on my heart maybe there's a specific situation that i really feel compelled to and sometimes i say to myself you know the best person to meet this need is always someone besides me it's not true oftentimes as god saying i've put this on your heart I've poured my spirit into you. I've given you the ability to love other people. I have given you the ability to do your part and I can fill in the rest. 
Um, let's pick up Matthew again because we, we didn't get the people fed yet and they're getting hungry. So um, in Matthew 14, let's pick it up in verse 17. So remember Jesus has said, you feed them. Verse 17, we have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here, he said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples. The disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about, about 5,000 men besides the women and the children. This is an understatement, but Jesus asked something very big of his disciples. And I know that we have um, a couple hundred people in the room, but if you could just picture the hills full of thousands of people, and as Jesus says, you give them something to eat, and the disciples go. We've got 12 guys here, and so they do their best, and their best is pretty terrible. We found five pieces of, of, of bread and two fish. That may not feed my family today at lunch. I don't know about you, but uh, five, five loaves of bread. I, I could put away five loaves of Johnny Carino's bread just today like that. So I'm sorry. Sorry to make you hungry already. But five loaves of bread and two fish. They're 5,000 men, and they all had kids, and they all had wives. That's hail. Um, we <laughs> shouldn't say that from the pulpit. You should not say that from the pulpit. Um, where was I? Uh it's, it seemed ridiculous that they would bring that to Jesus. Can you imagine Peter and John like, we've got five, I don't think they were proud of it. Like, this is all we can muster up. This is all we had. It seems, um, it's, it seems like a ridiculous thing for Jesus to ask them. But what did they do? They didn't just say like, well, all we could find was that, but that wasn't even worth bringing to you. They brought what they had. They brought what they had, even though it seemed insignificant, even though it seemed like there was no hope, like that's going to feed one family. That won't even feed a group of 50, okay? They brought what they had. They did what they knew they could do, and Jesus was able to take their effort, and he was able to multiply it into something amazing. I think it's important. This isn't in the text, but I think it's important to think about where they were going. And, and what you don't hear, I think, is also interesting, because nowhere in the text do you get Peter. I, I would assume Peter would be the one to do this. Hey, uh, did you did you guys enjoy the fish? How's that going? That was a great fish, huh? You may not know this, but uh, I, I, I'm the one that found the fish. You, you found the fish, Peter? How, how in the world did you find thousands of fish? That's amazing. Like, there's, there's thousands of people here. Peter, you're incredible. How did you find so much fish? Actually, I only found two fish. Oh, well, that's nice, Peter. Peter had nothing to brag about, and there was no sense that he was going to brag. Peter had nothing to brag about, and there was nothing in, in what he did or the other disciples did that would have even been noteworthy. You, 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 took, a, you took a young boy's lunch. Good job. Uh, you did nothing. But don't get lost in the goofiness of that to think about they went ahead and brought that to Jesus. There was nothing about what the disciples did that were amazing except for they obeyed. It was simple. It didn't seem like much. It probably seemed very insignificant. But Jesus said, he doesn't go, look again. He's like, I can do something with that. And so sometimes that self-doubt creeps into our mind. And I think, I've got nothing to bring to Jesus. He doesn't want my two loaves. He doesn't want my, 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 my bread. It, that's, it seems even embarrassing to bring it to him. And Jesus looks at our heart. And when he knows we bring him what we have, he says, I can do something with that. I can, do, I can work with that. Um, I think it's important to notice that this is part one of the story because Matthew 14, beginning in verse 22, picks up part two. And sometimes we stop at part one, 
but you're lucky today because you're going to get part two, okay? So let's continue reading part two, Matthew 14, verse 22. And I know it's part two because it says immediately. So NIV, let me know that, okay? Matthew 14, verse 22. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into a boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and a boat was already considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, and he walked on the water, and he came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and he began to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand, and he caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, and the wind died down, then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. What do they have to do in common? I hope I can connect the dots. Jesus is up on the mountain. He, earlier at the beginning of chapter 14, he just found out that John the Baptist, his cousin, had passed away. Jesus' heart was broken. Oftentimes, as he did, he went to the mountain. The crowds followed him, and so he, that's kind of how the feeding of the 5,000 starts. He's interrupted during his quiet time. And so after it's over, he still needs to recharge. And so he goes up on the mountain. He sends them ahead, says the disciples are halfway across the lake. They're rowing. The wind's kicked up. These fishermen can't even get across the lake. They're stuck. They're just going through the motions, but nothing's happening. Jesus wants to meet up with them, but instead of going around the lake, he's like, ah, it's much faster if I just walk across the water. He had that option. We do not. So Jesus meets him across the water. These guys are terrified and and I don't know if you could picture when fishermen get afraid, it's time for everyone to get afraid, okay? So Jesus is meeting them on the water, and, they, and they're terrified, and they think they've seen a ghost. But obviously, the, the real power in the story is Jesus walking on the water, and then what Peter has the audacity to say makes no sense. And, and I can just see the other disciples saying, oh, Peter, what, what are you doing here? Peter says in verse 28, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you. Peter, stop it. Like, what, what, what was he, what is he thinking? Like, no, that's, like, Jesus fed 5,000 people. Calm down, Peter. But Peter asks that. And so you have to ask the question, was it his faith? Or was, had he just lost his mind? It's interesting that, that Peter asks that. But what I want to connect the stories to, and I think the reason that Matthew puts these together, is remember that Jesus had just proven to them that if he asked them to do something and they did their best, he could make the impossible happen. And so I think it's significant, again, that Peter doesn't see Jesus. And when Jesus says, don't be afraid, it's me, Peter doesn't just bolt out of the boat. He's not, oh, it's Jesus, and he just jumps for it. That's not what Peter does, because I think it's significant that Peter says to Jesus, tell me to come to you. I think Peter had the mindset, if Jesus officially asked him, if if Jesus asked me to do it, maybe I won't sink. I don't know what he was thinking, but uh, he, he doesn't just jump in the boat. He says, Jesus asked me to come to you, and Jesus just gives him the simple word, come. And Peter jumps out of the boat. When it comes to answering God's call to serve others in a personal ministry, are you willing to trust Jesus enough to get out of the boat? Again, we don't hear Peter get back in the boat. Did you guys see me out there? Woo, that was awesome. Like I can't believe I did that. Peter, we heard you screaming, help save me. Yeah. 
Peter, he would have been humbled. There was nothing about what Peter did was significant to Peter. Now, I think it's pretty amazing that he had the faith. Without that story of the 5,000, I don't know if Peter would have been like, let's, do, let's go for this. He had the faith, but Peter doesn't brag at all. You don't hear any more of his writings. He had a lot more. He could have like, oh, by the way, I walked on the water that went like he, he doesn't put that in there because it's not significant what he did except for the fact that he took a step of faith and Jesus did something amazing with it. He did something incredible with it. The more times that you say yes to him and the more steps of faith that you say yes to, it will grow your faith and it will prepare you to take a leap of faith. Peter had been walking with Jesus for a while. And so he takes a huge leap of faith here when he says, Jesus, if you ask me to come, I think I can do it. I think I can do the impossible. I think I can do something that is beyond the realm of human comprehension. Jesus, just ask me to come and I believe, I believe in you. When his eyes were on Jesus, he was good. Once his eyes got taken off of Jesus, he struggled a little bit, but Jesus was there to catch him. You see, Jesus, um, didn't just say, well, he tried. All right, let's go, let's go get Matthias. He didn't say that. Jesus grabbed Peter and he's like, I, I love your effort. But he also said, remember, where's your faith at? So Jesus was willing to bless him in that. I want to end this morning by just sharing a, a thought about what that's looked like in my life. And I hope that uh, by sharing this, I can have some transparency. But also, I just wanted to let you know that, um, hopefully you know this by me talking, I 100% with all my heart believe in what I'm saying today. I truly believe that when you pour into other people and when you take little steps of faith, God can prepare you for a leap of faith that may be coming up in your life. I want to talk about a conversation that Jenny and I had before we decided that we wanted to, to go to Scotland and to be your missionaries to plant a church there. You know, I remember the specific evening that we really kind of decided in our hearts that that was what we were going to do. We were sitting out on the hood of the car, looking up at the stars. It was, we went out, went out to Turkey Ranch Road. I know, very romantic. Um, we were sitting out on the hood of the car and we just wanted to get away to look up at the stars and to have a conversation with each other and with, with God about this idea of was he really calling us to leave everything behind and move overseas? And I remember a feeling of being unprepared. Like I said, those, those feelings were mine and maybe you can uh, relate to those today. I remember feeling unprepared unqualified, helpless to accomplish such a task. Through our conversation that night with God, I remember coming to a realization that if this were actually going to happen, if this dream were actually going to take place, it would only be because God was behind it. God brought to mind many of the steps of faith we had taken the few years before that really just to us didn't seem that much. It just kind of seemed like a couple of a couple of fish, a couple of loaves. But he brought to mind that night as we were praying and talking to him, things like quitting our jobs, selling our house, raising money to go to ministry school. And I really truly believe without knowing it, it was those little steps of faith that God had prepared us for a leap of faith. And I really hope that you hear this this morning. My purpose in telling you this is not to say that we did something big. We did something that some of you have done more and some of you have, can easily do that as well. Just like Peter, I've got nothing to brag about. There's absolutely nothing about our just moving somewhere that is significant. But what Jesus did with us doing our best was incredible. And I'm here to tell you today, it's amazing. We did what we could, and he filled in the rest. So I want you to think about that as we finish this morning. What is that leap for you? What has God placed on your heart that consumes your thoughts and makes you want to dream big for him? God wants to grow your faith So it's time to step out of that boat. 
Do you need to maybe join a small group or lead some kind of a ministry? Do you need to maybe find out somebody in this church who is leading a ministry that, that is really pulling at your heart and you just uh, tell them, hey, I'm all in for what you need me for? Or, or maybe the best person to meet the need that you're asking God to meet is actually you. Would you pray with me this morning as we finish? Father, I give you thanks for who you are and for what you've done for your people. Father, I ask that as we consider the steps of faith that you've led us through, and as we consider, God, you hear our hearts and you know we want to grow our faith, give us faith like Peter to step out of the boat. Give us faith to answer the call that you're asking us for. God, I pray for a deeper faith, and God, I ask that you call us higher and that you call us deeper. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I could just-